What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Alex Nobutovsky and Dmitry Shklovsky are co-founders and co-CEOs of QuickNode, where their mission is to help blockchain ecosystems scale by providing accessible core infrastructure. In this conversation, we discuss infrastructure, data structure, low latency, popular use cases, picking various chains, and the long-term vision for the business. I'm an investor, and I'm really, really excited about what they're building. I enjoyed this episode, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into the episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is BlockFi. BlockFi provides financial products for crypto investors. Those products include today a high-yield interest account where you can earn up to 8.6% APY. A U.S. dollar loan product where they lend out dollars against your crypto collateral and a cryptocurrency exchange where they charge you no fees. They're also launching a Bitcoin rewards credit card. It's a normal credit card. When you swipe, you'll get Bitcoin back rather than cash back or airline miles. To start earning today, visit BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, BlockFi.com slash POMP. I'm an investor in the business. I'm a happy user and you will be too. Head on over to BlockFi.com slash POMP. Next up are my friends at Choice. Choice is rebuilding the way you approach retirement, which starts with making it simple to include Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in your savings. More than 20,000 Bitcoiners, myself included, have already signed up to start investing. Whether we are talking about crypto or stocks, Choice lets you trade real Bitcoin and Amazon in the same place, all without paying a dime in capital gains taxes. And if you want to hold your own keys all the way to the moon, you can do that too. Either way, Choice is on a mission to give you full control over your retirement savings. So head on over to retirewithchoice.com slash POMP. Again, retirewithchoice.com slash POMP. And sign up for an account today. And one more thing, you know how I feel about this, but if you have a pro that manages your money, don't take any BS. Choice has tools for them too. Take back control today and head on over to retirewithchoice.com slash POMP. Last but not least is Gemini. Gemini is a leading regulated cryptocurrency exchange, a wallet, and a custodian that makes it simple and secure to buy Bitcoin, Ether, and over 30 other cryptocurrencies. They offer industry-leading security, insurance, and uptime. That's right. Gemini has insurance and also great security and uptime. Gemini is the go-to trusted platform for beginner and sophisticated investors alike. You can open a free account in under three minutes at Gemini.com slash POMP, and you'll get $20 of Bitcoin after you trade 100 bucks or more within 30 days. Again, Gemini.com slash POMP, free $20 of Bitcoin. They're just handing out free Bitcoin. If you go and you trade 100 bucks or more within 30 days, head on over to Gemini.com slash POMP and go get that free Bitcoin, Gemini.com slash POMP. All right, let's get in this episode with Alex and Dimitri. I hope that you enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I've got my friends from QuickNode here. Hello, how are both of you? Doing well, man. This is the first two-person interview that we've done in the uh, new studio. Awesome. So you guys are uh, are uh, the, the guinea pigs. We're going to hopefully that this works. <laughs> um, let's just talk about the uh, QuickNode story, right? And yeah. I think just kind of starting there, and that'll lead us into some of the data infrastructure that's actually happening in crypto. Uh, um Walk me through kind of your guys' background to get to actually starting QuickNote, right? What you guys are very technical, right? Very kind of well versed in terms of uh, uh, of a lot of this computational power and, and infrastructure. So, like, what did you guys do to, before we get there? Sure. Uh, so, you know, Alex co-founded a managed hosting company like back in two thousand one, maybe even earlier. You're still messing around with it. Early, early internet stuff, and um, you know. We, we built out a company that was managing thousands of servers uh, in like over 10 data centers around the world. Um, so like we got awesome um, experience on, on how to be like on the provider side and how to build global networks, um, manage like all different stacks of software. Um, then 
you know, there's different projects within that company, you know, with regards to like video encoding, uh, ad serving, we got to work with a really broad range of customers. Um, 20, was it like 2015, we started building our, our content delivery network uh, because, you know, people started, the internet started being more media rich and mm -hmm. you needed faster speeds. You couldn't wait for your server in New York. You know, if somebody's living across the Atlantic, it'd take forever to load a video, you know, if the video was hosted in the United States. So what we would do is we'd clone that video over to somewhere in Europe. So they would, they, you know, the download speeds were a lot quicker. Um, and that, that uh, experience we, we decided to bring into QuickNote because um, as that company, uh, that tech was very valuable. Uh, a company called Komodo SSL acquired that company. And as as that uh, as we were transitioning out of that, um, this was around 2017, 2018, we were, got really intrigued with what smart contracts could enable. And uh, you know, we we knew what Bitcoin was back from 2013, Mount Gox days. You know, we bought some Bitcoin at like 300, sold it at a thousand. Uh, it's silly to think about that now, but um, you know, so. We're like, all right, so let's 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 buy an ENS domain name, or let like maybe maybe like some of these token sales were really interesting, um, and we tried to interact with like my Ether wallet at the time, uh, MetaMask, like the very very early versions of it, and we noticed that when when one of these like popular uh, token sales like Zero X for example, uh, it crashed the my Ether wallet servers, it, it crashed the MetaMask uh, servers, and um, we're like, well, this is no way for Web3, which is like this uh, network of blockchains, to to grow. And so, like, how do we help? How do we take our experience and how do we help this ecosystem expand, grow, develop? And we're like, well, who who better to build Web3 infrastructure than us who have been in, in we've seen the transition from Web1 to Web2. We've contributed to a lot of open source software and a lot of a lot of businesses uh, that that are on Web2 today. Um, how do how do we help Web three? Um, so and so, really, yeah. the idea was like the experience you guys had uh, in terms of low latency and and uh, kind of all the computational infrastructure you'd previously built for almost two decades. It sounds like right yeah. uh, when you got to crypto, it was like essentially not there, right? Like it was yeah. just everything would crash. It couldn't handle you know large uh, volumes, and then also um, it sounds like as you got deeper and deeper into this, you realize like one, we probably can just build the infrastructure, but two, also there's all kinds of things that are unlocked with better performance uh, in terms yeah. of actually connecting to the blockchain. Is that fair? Fair enough. Yeah. So we we, we basically took all the experience that we would gather during, our, especially during our um, CDN time. You know. We learned a lot. We understood what what latency translated into conversions for customers. We understood how to opt optimize certain layers of the business and infrastructure and software to maximize through you know throughput and to 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 have the absolutely lowest latency in the business. And so we took all that and we applied it here because, as Dmitri pointed out, we were we saw the transition from Web one to Web two and Web into Web three uh, in the beginning of twenty eighteen, for example. And what's Web three really? It's you know. Web one was read only. Web two was read and write. Web three's ability to to verify, you know, and so we saw there's a there's a, there's a, there's a lot of that what he what he described, and we we understood that we could bring this experience over with our team and build something that people will need going forward. So initially that was like dedicated nodes uh, that that helped uh, to transact on blockchain, but that had limitations, um, which eventually grew into this uh, uh, QuickNode API product. Uh, which we released in February 2020, that thing completely took off. Everybody observed it and started using it. We we grew like 1,100% in three months, and so it was um, it was we understood we had a market fit, right? Yeah, and and so when you think today, um, the main chains that you support are uh, Ethereum, uh, Matic, uh, what else? XDAI. XDAI, and those are pretty much the main three. Uh, no, we we also support Optimism. Yeah. Optimism. Yep. Uh, Binance Smart Chain. Binance Smart Chain. Okay. So here's something that's fascinating to me is uh, I'm going to call them smart contract platforms, Ethereum, Binance Chain, uh, and Matic. Yeah. And when we look at that stuff, uh, it feels like Ethereum's the one that everyone knows, right? Yeah. And that's kind of got like the... Um, when people think of smart contract platform, they think of Ethereum, right? Mm -hmm. So it's got the, the mind share. Uh, but 
Binance, Smart Chain, and Matic, you know, I, I, I should start by saying I'm an investor in the company, right? So we've had a lot of conversations about this, um, are popular as well, right? And so is this a world where like these chains are actually just competing on technical infrastructure and like who can create the most innovation, who has the fastest throughput speed, who has the lowest cost fees, and like it really is uh, kind of this like race to zero on fees, right? Maybe it doesn't actually ever get to zero, but mm. there, there's definitely like the commoditization um, across these various smart uh, contract uh, platforms. So there's there's a balance. There's a balance okay. you have to achieve. And, and this was mo most prominent recently when the fee fees on Ethereum mainnet skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. It was just really expensive to move anything around. Um, pe people started looking for alternatives. And you basically, you know, you sacrifice some decentralization and, and thus some security uh, for doing something. But if it's like every, you know, transactional stuff, not uh, like all important governance stuff, yeah, you can you can do it. Layer two is is the solution, and it's not like you know you don't sacrifice much. Um, it's just a trade off. And again, more and more uh, people are starting to realize that the future is multi chain. Mm -hmm. You know, you might have your your governance contracts on Ethereum because yeah, it's expensive, but you know it's worth to have that security to make sure that this is governing your entire organization. Uh, but the everyday transactions, if you're moving, you know, a couple of dollars around, you move some tokens around, that stuff can be done with, you know, with security, with confidence on a layer two, like Binance, uh, like Matic, um, like XDAI. Um, and then we're looking forward to seeing what, you know, what people build with the optimism uh, technology. And so really the idea is uh, a decentralized smart contract platform is really important for governance, like you said, right? So mm. there's a reason for decentralization in that standpoint. You want to have almost what I call like democratic governance, right? As many people participating as possible and uh, as least concentration or, or kind of single point of failure as possible. Yeah. But if I simply just want to make a trade, mm. I don't necessarily need all that decentralization, right? Mm -hmm. I actually want the most efficiency that I can gain. And sometimes uh, the decentralized systems are much less efficient. Mm -hmm. Sometimes for certain things, they may be more efficient, right? That's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I simply want to just get the efficiency, lower fees, faster throughput, then decentralization doesn't really matter in that situation. Fair? Sure. sure. Okay. Uh, explain to people the difference between uh, Matic, Binance Smart Chain and Ethereum, just from like a technical, you know, high level uh, in terms of block times and, and like why are these others maybe more efficient uh, without decentralization as kind of the, the core linchpin? So uh, Ethereum currently is proof of work. Uh, it's got about 15 12 sec or to 12 second block times. Uh, Matic has um, validators uh, and there's there's like uh, a three point system where, where, where they're validating. Uh, and then uh, the block times are also shorter, uh, quick, quicker rather. And Binance Smart Chain also val uh, also validator concept with three second block times. So you know a lot of recently a lot of DeFi platforms have moved to Binance Smart Chain because Binance, you know, just because they're they're uh, an exchange and and they have all, all that that deep, you know financial pull, but. Um, it also helps to have like order books update every three seconds because you want to make those trades. You want to compared to Ethereum being twelve to fifteen seconds. Exactly. Okay. And 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 they they've made the fees uh, you know less expensive. So again, if you're, you're you're building a wallet app, a decentralized wallet app, you'll you know you'll have the main governance on Ethereum. You'll have the transaction like moving tokens around on Binance Smart Chain. You'll have your NFTs moving around on Polygon. Uh, there's a there's a big move uh, of NFTs and like media platforms moving to Polygon. Um, so there, you know, again, future is multi-chain. We're looking to support that. Um, you know, we're we're looking to expand the, the chains we support because yeah, there's it's good to give developers choice. You know, when they're building a, a, an application, you know, you don't, don't force them to use Ethereum because. Ethereum is not perfect. Neither, you know, I don't think any any platform is perfect. And so, when they have that choice, they can choose and pick and choose and put how we how we say le like Legos together to build their application. So the way I describe uh, QuickNode is it's basically like Amazon w AWS, but for blockchains, right? Exactly. Which I think is like a fair thing. Yeah. Um, how does the product work itself, right? So if I'm a developer, I come in, I go to the QuickNode website. Like, what do I choose from, and like what is actually technically happening? Okay, I mean, you just sign up for either a free or a $9 account, for example, as a developer. 
you get an endpoint right away. Within five minutes, you'll be able to take that endpoint, plug it into your code, and you're ready to transact. Uh, I think a great example of that was a customer of ours, for example, Dune Analytics, came to our site in the middle of the night, four in the morning, had an outage on their self-hosted nodes, able to sign up, and within five to 10 minutes, they were back online without having to speak to anybody. And mm -hmm. so what we built is a self-serve self, self platform that, that customers could come without um, to having to speak to anybody, just sign up and go. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then on, to add to that, on the back end, we're, we're running uh, like dozens of clusters of super, super powerful uh, Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Matic nodes. And a node is a peer-to-peer -peer piece of software oh. which maintains an up-to-date copy of the ledger. And it talks to other nodes on the network, miners, validators. It sees when a, a new block arrives and then it, it, it builds that database. And, the, and then uh, we have these middle layers, uh, like a routing middle layer, um, which if you're making a request from the Netherlands, you're going to hit uh, a node cluster in the Netherlands. If you're making a request from London, you're going to hit a node cluster in London, China, Singapore, San Francisco, New York. So by bringing the data closer to the users, uh, you minimize network cops, you reduce latency, make things quicker, snappier. And as Alex mentioned, that's experience we bring over from our from our CDN experience. You know, companies like Yahoo, AOL, Amazon, they invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into research into human psychology that faster speeds results in happiness to, like for people. When something happens fast, people get excited. And that results in uh, them coming back to your website or using your application more making a purchase, taking a call to action. So we understand how important speed and like blockchain is notorious for its slowness. So if, you know, our platform makes, you know, if we can make it just a little, a little bit faster, or in some cases, a lot of it faster, you know, some customers came to us and like, Hey, we switched to you guys and we saw a hundred X improvement in, in, in our polling speeds. And we're like, wow, so th this is fantastic. So I can say this, you guys can't say this because uh, people think you're bragging. But uh, when I was doing the diligence to research, uh, to invest uh, and researching all this, I'd go talk to customers and they were like, listen, it's like not even close, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of uh, a lot of the other services in the space, just there is that latency and they maybe just be focused on other things. That's not the most important thing they're building. I think given your guys' background, you really understand the importance of latency and you're looking for customers that want uh, lack of latency, right? Yeah. And so uh, because of that speed, what are customers actually doing? Is there one or two examples that you have of like, hey, a customer is doing X with our infrastructure that uh, can highlight to people like why this is so important from uh, just a pure like infrastructure interacting with these blockchains? Sure. Um, I think Dima would like, like to talk about this a lot, so go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we have the, 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 I just hear the, the great part about being at the infrastructure level is that everybody... Uh, who's working with blockchain, interacting with blockchain, needs your service. So we we work with a bunch of projects across the board. Um, anyone anyone from like traditional uh, finance systems who are looking to inter interact with the blockchain to uh, decentralized finance systems and professional traders who are um, who are looking to get like the fastest information, uh, the latest block information. You know what happened to the smart contract? What happened to this Uniswap pair? Uh, what what happened on um, on uh, any, any any one of these decentralized exchanges, but more moreover, uh, there's there's a lot of people looking for the mempool data, uh, and the the mempool uh, for those who don't understand is uh, the mempool stuff is that's what happens before um, transactions get mined and accepted as truth in, into the blockchain, um, and there's there's about you know a ten to twelve second period where people's uh, transactions get um, entered into the mempool, and then miners get to choose which transactions they, they mine into the next block. Um, and what happens there, let's say a, a transaction is submitted somewhere in, in New York, and it's, my, and it's mined somewhere in New York. By the time that propagates, and by propagates, it, it goes from one node to another node to another node and makes tops to a node in China, it might be anywhere from several milliseconds to several seconds. And that's very valuable time, especially for in the finance sector, where they need to make these split second decisions on what their next move is. Um, so what we've done is we've created, uh, we've, we're aggregating the mempool data from all the nodes we run all over the world. Uh, we have over 12 locations, we're in multiple clouds. So basically anywhere in the world, the transaction enters the mempool, we then broadcast it to whoever's subscribing to that data. And they're paying to, as like a subscription? 
they're they're paying they're paying for that uh, for every transaction that they're subscribed to they're paying for that request, like to receive that piece of data. Got it. And so when we think about this, uh, you have not only infrastructure, right? Like what I consider just, you guys have done the work, you've built out infrastructure, now I can come in, I can basically plug in through your infrastructure and I can communicate with these blockchains, I can get the actual kind of copy of the blockchain or whatever, uh, but also you got a ton of data, right? And so maybe talk a little bit like the data importance versus the infrastructure importance and like how you think about like the business evolving over time. Yeah, I mean, um, so if you look at the relationship between Citadel and uh, Robinhood, for example, there's a lot of you know uh, business there. So what we what we able to gather is all these transactions that are going on our network, and the, all this data that we're able to share, perhaps uh, with uh, with someone that could be very very valuable, specifically for like large funds who are executing on things and need to have more insights. Um, and research companies, you know, to, to, to better understand the landscape um, of, of, of uh, what's happening before the rest of the world sees it, right? And so that data piece could be very valuable in, if by our estimations, somewhere in $10 billion a year range, you know, um, over the next five years or so. And so um, that piece is, is very, not a lot of people talking about that piece specifically, but um, we think that that piece of the business is huge. You know, we, we've been having certain conversations with uh, certain funds and things like that um, with, uh, with, uh, with CEOs that are interested in the data that could utilize this data to make better decisions on their end. Got it. And when you think about um, the infrastructure, really it's kind of a two-step business, right? You have to have the infrastructure in order for you guys to get the data, but you're monetizing the infrastructure itself. And then if there is this opportunity to do data as well, that's really additive to the business. It's not kind of an either-or decision. Not at all, yeah, it's, it's both sides, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge going forward, right? Like when you think about like, all right, we got all this work to do, we're gonna keep doing this. What's the biggest challenge for the business? To to keep to keep up with demand uh, and, and 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 that's a good like, problem. Yeah, it's a great problem. It's like every you know startup's dream uh, to have that problem. But it's it's to keep up with demand uh, and keep meeting customers' expectations. Like and their expectations keep growing day to day to day. You know when you know there's there's some people that were qu querying maybe like five blocks at a time for data. Now they're querying like chunks of thousands of blocks, and they need that data in a millisecond. Mm -hmm. So like we're we're working on different ways to index it we're, we're using special um, special hardware that's like super snappy like super super fast disks to be able to access this data work uh, we have a caching layer that stores some of this data in memory again to to improve speeds so you know with the, the, the great thing about um, again infrastructure layer such a wide range of customers we get so much data uh, from our customers around how they're using it what their use case is. Um, maybe perhaps I didn't touch up enough on, on the, the range of our customers is we also have NFT platforms that are minting NFTs. Uh, we have customers that are building uh, blockchain gaming ecosystems. They're doing esports tournaments that, that are, are blockchain uh, backed. So things like in-game skins and, and certain like prizes. Um, there's, uh, there's people building universal basic income. There's another project called uh, Pool Together, which is a no-loss lottery. I think that's one of the craziest inventions because uh, people basically buy a ticket for, for the lottery. Uh, it goes, it gets lent out into a decentralized lending platform, which earns interest. And then one person wins the interest and everybody gets their money back. <laughs> like it's, it's fantastic, no? And this, yeah. hap this happens trustlessly, automatically. How often do they like do like a drawing? They, they do a drawing, I, I, I don't know. And once a week or something. Something like that. Yeah, but yeah. like, it's an amazing concept that you, that you can have, you can do this without an intermediary. Like you're not buying a lottery ticket from the state of Florida or anything. This is just, it's a global lottery that's trustless and automatic. And you don't lose money. And you don't lose money. Somebody, yeah. Just somebody wins some interest. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah. Win and, and I guess because you're really getting everyone's interest, it's not just the interest that you would have gotten going by and doing it yourself, right? You're contributing to this big pool. The big pool earns a ton of interest all at once. Mm -hmm. And then basically somebody wins that as part of the lottery. It, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it, it's wild. Um, one of the things that uh, fascinates me about this is as you guys have chosen new blockchains to support, uh, they've turned into uh, we'll call them spectacles to, <laughs> to be nice, uh, sure. which is um, you say, hey, we're going to support something. Uh, when you choose to support it, uh, that community gets really excited, but also other people start to pay attention. And so just like 
what is the process for vetting these, deciding who to work with, um, and kind of like how does that work and through like prioritization? Yeah. So, I mean, for us, it's all about, we're all about community, right? We would like to build a community. We'd like to support the community. And we understand for this to grow, for everybody to benefit, the community piece needs to exist. So we always look at when some when a foundation, for example, like Matic approaches us or we approach them every time it's a different story, usually we will we'll look at their GitHub, how active are they, how many developers they have, how, how involved they are with the whole ecosystem. Are we helping the whole ecosystem? And then we'll make a decision whether or not we're going to take our eyes off our roadmap and add them to, um, to, add, to, to add them to our network. And for us, it's very important that whoever we add to our network, that they contribute to, to the, the whole ecosystem. They have a, a sort of a sandbox environment for their developers, um, you know, public endpoints that they could uh, subsidize. So that's a very important piece for us because we understand mm -hmm. we're not only helping us, we're also helping the whole community and the whole ecosystem to grow. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we're also listening a lot to our customers and the customers basically tell us what they want. You know, customers could come say, when are you guys going to support Matic? We're like, okay, we'll, we'll look into it. We're like, where are you going to, when are you guys going to support uh, XDI or uh, yeah, BSC? And like, <laughs> this, this is like, such valuable feedback because when when you when you get enough of these requests, you're like, hmm, maybe we're you know maybe they're onto some, um, and and also like uh, when you know we've we've been in the space since uh, late 2017. We've we've built the brand. Uh, it's it's a known brand, and uh, you know when when a company chooses to partner with us, it's it's celebrated very very well, especially in the community because it's like. This this particular foundation is serious about supporting their developers and giving them choice, giving them uh, robust infrastructure to be able to build these you know global scale apps. Because these the, the foundations they're they they don't have the kind of teams with with the kind of experience that you know QuickNote brings to the table. So being able to bootstrap um, you know this high performance scalable uh, node with for infrastructure. Uh, is like super super valuable to these people, and um, it's very well received by by the community. It's celebrated like you know, almost like a token listing. Um, mm -hmm. Like yeah, it, it's it's crazy. It's crazy, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, we 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 went, we were accepted into the white combinator um, uh, batch. In, in, batch for for the winter, and you know they they pumped out Instacart, they pumped out uh, Coinbase, for example. And I'm, I'm looking at Coinbase's story, and they started out just selling Bitcoin, and then they added Ethereum, and then they added Litecoin, and then they, and now they're now they have like I don't know, it's like 20, 30 assets. So I'm like, this is very, very much parallel to I feel like what QuickNote is doing. You know, mm -hmm. we're not we're not just dedicated to Ethereum. We support Bitcoin, and we would support six six uh, chains and ten different networks at this point. Mm -hmm. And this is just just the beginning. Yeah, it's fascinating to me too that um, you guys have done a lot of this. Uh, you've also raised capital, so maybe we talk a little bit about that. But like outside of like the hardcore development community, many people don't know about you, right? Mm -hmm. Which is almost like a testament to you found the right people that to know about you. Like who cares if everyone knows, right? It's just like the people who are the customers they all know, and mm -hmm. when they think of hey, I need infrastructure that's got low latency, like bam, I go to QuickNode, right? Mm -hmm. And so was that intentional or did that just kind of naturally happen? Of course, it's a natural progression, really. Um, I don't think it was intentional. What do you think? I mean, we just try to build the best possible product, and 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 <laughs> you know, that's why I love you guys. You guys, are like, I don't know, it's just like <laughs> built the right thing. <laughs> we know we had to build. We had to build the right thing that that, that worked well, that people would love. The ex user experience was absolutely the best, mm -hmm. and we took all the things what not to do from the previous companies, yeah, you know, and we applied it here. Exactly. We had the right formula. You know, yeah. we learned on our, on our mistakes. We learned. We, I remember being in the late 90s, being in high school, coming home before AOL, you know, going to RSC and all this. I remember all this pro progression from Web 1 to Web 2, understanding how, how it changed the world. And I wish I was older, you know, older back then to understand what I was being involved in, you know. And now being here with experience, with, with all of that, to be able to take all that and to apply it here, it's just a piece of cake. We know exactly what people want. We're listening to our community. We're listening to our customer. And we we drive from we're driving the the need from within the company, mm -hmm. and so like I don't think anybody else works harder than us. You know, we we we're there in the office building twelve hours a day, fourteen hours a day. Nobody's sleeping. You know, seven days a week. So we understand. I know you guys are. <laughs> yes. Well, talk about the fundraise in terms of uh, what was the thought process. You went to YC uh, and also did the fundraise. Uh, either one of you, which whoever wants to talk about it. Yeah, I think uh, I'll start off, and you could pick sure, up. Sure. Yeah. 
so we we started our fundraise sometime in in November, and then we got a, during during the initial st stages of it, we got accepted to YC, and um, that was very exciting. YC is a you know great process to go through. Um, we learned a lot, and um, but we decided like you know YC recommends not to start any fundraising during YC until the demo day. Since we're already in the process, we sort of just left, you know, we sort of just ran with it. And that was that was great because, you know, in the beginning, um, we, we got a lot of like, hey, what the hell are you guys talking about? Why doesn't Amazon just come in and do it? You know, we don't believe in, in that there's a need for this product into towards the end, you know, towards. So that that was that was November. By January, we had so much interest in our company that we had like literally probably like over 200 companies coming up like, hey, let us write your check. What's the valuation? And what's this? You know, can we get in? And um, you know, you're an investor. We we met with you, and um, it was it no was, brainer, no, no brainer. No brainer. <laughs> you know, it was it was one of those processes that that I think YC also helped us a lot through. You know, like mm -hmm. as we were taking on some of these some of these um, investors, we want to make a strategic partnership with each one of them. You know, we understood you as a strategic piece to mm -hmm. it. You know, you know, very um, listen to me. We have 50 million followers, etc. Like you, you will definitely help spread the word. You know, like we had Michael Arrington. Who who was um, who actually convinced us to stay with YC because we were in the beginning like oh do we really need it you know we we sort of have the experience but he was like hey you guys don't understand what it is you definitely want to be part of it and we're like hey for sure you know we'll, we'll go with it then we had like Alexis Ohanian you know like he he brings in yeah, so seven, much seven six seven seven six fund yeah he brings in so much so much experience and every two weeks he him and his team are with us for an hour at a time we're going through things we're strategizing you know we we're going through everything like. He's been amazing throughout the whole process. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you know, and we sort of like so Hashkeys was one one of the one of the investors. For them, we were like, what do, what do they bring to the table? Well, they're Asian, you know, one of the biggest Asians uh, investing into blockchain space. They have a lot of uh, blockchain companies in their portfolio. You know, we sort of picked them for that for that environment. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we sort of put put a team together for an investment that that could drive us to to the, to the next level. And today, I think we're. We're we're very happy with our partners. Couldn't have asked for for better partners. Honestly. Absolutely amazing. amazing. SoftBank, SoftBank, yeah, SoftBank brings in so much experience. <laughs> the Opportunity Fund, as you know, has been created for, um, you know, um, sort of, uh, you know, the black founders, and mm -hmm. um, one of our founders happens to be Austin. He's uh, he's half black, half um, uh, South American. South South American, and. Uh, mm -hmm. He was able to, you know, connect us with with Soul Bank, and we were able to work with them, and we love their team. You know, them too. They we get on uh, on monthly calls with them, strategizing accounting pieces. You know, how to how to structure certain deals, how to close certain customers, how to grow the business from within, and you know how to how to focus on the culture. Also, I mean, seven seven six fund. These guys also they want to diversify our our team. They want more women on our team. Mm -hmm. We actually just recently hired our fir first woman. Uh, for for uh, for for uh, HR and customer success. Yes, I mean she's she's going to be like the mother of the. We, of, yeah, of the we business. needed we needed a mother in, yes. in the company. <laughs> and so like we've we've been trying to hire like from all different backgrounds. First of all, we all immigrants, you know, like yeah. all four four co-founders, uh, three co-founders are immigrants. You know, he's from uh, Russia. I'm from Ukraine. The other one is from from Germany. Manuel yeah. Kreutz. And so like we understand the process. You know, we understand the importance of diversity within the team. And so for us, like what we are building is exactly that. We understand that, you know, they can't be just a bunch of white dudes sitting and uh, building on Facebook. There needs to be somebody that that understands the the pain points that that people go through, mm -hmm. and sort of that that's the, that's the sort of company we are building. Yeah, I mean it's fantastic. What what has been the uh, biggest surprise in building the business over the last uh, couple of months? I, I don't uh, know the it's... amount of the amount of demand that's coming in <laughs> i mean we open up our gate <laughs> our gates and, and just people are just flooding in we have so much so much um interest in the business and so many foundations are coming to us and it's like please take our money and and add us to the platform and i think that's that's been the biggest surprise at least from my perspective yeah I, th I think it's it's the number of diverse projects that are that are building on the platform and and that we're able to facilitate you know, they're giving us this feedback like, oh, your platform is so easy to use. We were able to get started real quick. Um, and, you know, it's, they're just, again, there's, there's companies building um, like new ways of governance. There's new ways of voting, meritocracy, uh, just all, all across the board. Uh, and then, and then you know, you have, you have some of these large 
financial corporations with like billions in crypto under management. They're they're also they also need this service. Um, you know, uh, banks and 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 hedge funds. They, I think we're we're just at the the very very beginning. Even even though there's been so much progress, even from when we entered the space in 2017 till now. Um, you know, it's so much easier to build uh, a decentralized application or a blockchain-powered application. Um, and like what, what Alex had mentioned, like back in the '90s, how difficult it was to build a website. But then you had, you know, companies like Amazon come along and make all that process like streamlined and made it so easy. So when you when you think about running uh, node infrastructure, you know, you probably have to go read a bunch of documentation. You have to learn how to use a command line. You got to go do your research on what kind of specs you need for your cloud server. Or you just go to Quick Node, you sign up, and and you go. And then you know there's complex. The, the complexity increases as you scale up. Uh, do you need two nodes? You need a load balancer in front of it. How to keep the data consistent between you know the, the different different types of nodes? Um, but being able to support uh, such a wide range of projects um, is is just it motivates us every day to come come to work and just like build the best possible product and make our customers happy. If you look forward like five or 10 years, how big can this get? And like, what does this morph into, right? When you just kind of look at like, what's the natural progression of this? Web Web, web 3, every single application we use today will have some element of blockchain built into it. So, you know, you think of you think of middlemen, you, first thing that comes to mind is like real estate. You need, you need a agent, you need an escrow agent, you need title insurance. Once you have deeds on the blockchain, you can govern a real estate transaction by a smart contract. You don't need a middleman. You don't need a third party. You don't need escrow. You know, one side sends USDC, for example. The other side submits the deed. Uh, they submit the title, and the, the title is governed by a, a system that keeps it honest. So you need you don't need title insurance. Then mm-hmm. uh, it eliminates friction. It eliminates that trust layer. So when both conditions are met, the smart contract. Uh, that lives on the blockchain. It's completely independent of anyone's control. Then just swaps it, and yeah, and and that could be tied down to like the keypad, uh, changing you know changing the code so the person can get access to to the property. Um, that's that's where we see this going. We, you know, we see was it uh, BitCloud? BitCloud. BitCloud. Yep. Yeah. So social networks move, moving into into blockchain. Every single application. I mean, everything from uh, from universities issuing diploma, diplomas on the blockchain, so you can then, you know, imagine you 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 you're asked to vote on something that you actually have a merit in. Mm-hmm. Like only if you have a PhD in medicine can you vote on on a certain on a particular uh, issue. So that kind of stuff. That's what that's what blockchain enables. That's the kind of future um, you know, that, that that we see. So I mean, global scale. This is. The next, this is like the new, the next iteration, the next version of the internet. Yeah, it's pretty wild to think about, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you just think about, like, all right, like where we are headed is fucking nuts compared (laughs) to where we've been. And uh, today we look at like cars, right? And it's like, wait, people used to ride horses. Like, there is (laughs) that element of like, you know, you said like title insurance, like all these things that aren't going to be needed. You're like, you did what before? Like, there's physical paper involved. Yeah. Now people are gonna be like, okay, like obviously the digital system is so much better. You're telling me people literally didn't think that was going to be true. Yeah, man, get get Gen Z to send an international wire. They'll they 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 won't be able to do it. Yeah, of course not. They want Cash App. They want Square. They want you know it's just peer to peer. Like here's an address. Here's my address. Send 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 me the tokens. That's why companies like Venmo and whatever exist today. You know to be able to do that. But I think you know primarily if you if you look at like if you're looking to purchase a property somewhere abroad, for example, say Spain, right? So you're looking to buy a home in Spain. The amount of bureaucracy and crap you need to go through i went through that so i understand like to from your bank to send the money there they need to exchange it from dollars to euro they need to you need to prove that this money is coming from you then you need you know you need to go through this whole process and, and the way the real estate is done there globally you could have one global system that that sort of eliminates all that like if if you want to send your aunt 500 bucks on a sunday yeah you know in in in, in a traditional way the banks are closed you're unable to do it. they're going to charge you an arm and a leg you just went through. It. You had to go a yeah. bunch of KYC stuff, you know, because Russia's in, yep. uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, like it's crazy. Just, you it's can't crazy. even use your own money during the certain times. Same thing in in the banks here. Like if if you're making a large transaction, whether it's a deposit deposit or you're withdrawing, that you need to tell them what, what why why is this happening? 
Mm-hmm. This is your money. Yeah. So, so just you, you mentioned transferring money, but like a, a small era controversy was like recently Vitalik was airdropped some like a couple of billion dollars of this Shiba token, uh, and he was able to donate that to an Indian uh, relief fund, you know, because of the of the COVID stuff happening in India, and that he was able to do that without anybody's permission for like like it was like twelve dollars or something in fees, maybe maybe a hundred dollars in fees, but like. A billion dollars moved across the world any to any point without anyone's permission uh, for a very small amount. Do we know if they um, went ahead and liquidated it, or did they hold on to the Shiba token? Would have would have to look at the. Yeah, we have to look, yeah, right? Have to, I, I don't know. It's, it's transparent. Like if you want to know what happened to it, just go go look at the transaction. Yeah, we, which is like the best part about it, right? Yeah. Is because now all of a sudden, like one, kudos to him for doing that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, two is you can literally see what they do with it. Yeah. And so it's like pretty crazy to think it's not just about the transaction itself. It's the fact that he got it, right? Yeah. Then once he got it, right, what'd they do? Then he donated it. Okay. Yeah. Now once the day get the donation, what do they do with it? It's transparent. Yeah. Like there's a whole bunch of ramifications in just that one um, kind of mechanism that yeah. you're like, wait a minute, this was not possible before. Yeah. Like look what happened in Haiti, you know, during the, during the whole thing, like a bunch of stuff went there. It never went to the people. It, it rotted. It got stolen. You know, and and this is exactly what it's for. And Vitalik, by the way, he burned the rest of the Shiba, you know, completely. Yeah. I think it was like six billion dollars worth or yeah. something. Yeah, he, he burned. He six just billion. burned it. You know, he donated Somewhere. most of it, and whatever he had left, he burned it. And he left a message like, "Don't don't airdrop me these tokens without my permission. I don't want to be responsible or something like that." But he 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 was very like philosophical about it yeah he he, he basically because what they tried to give it to him so that it would seem more legitimate because yeah. the mm-hmm. creator of ethereum held the tokens Something so like basically he was like i don't want these and right, get rid right, of right. them yeah, yeah. It, it's i mean it's fascinating there's not very many people who say they donated a billion dollars to something even even uh, who's it uh, sandeep from from one of the co-founders of matic uh he, he released a tweet he's like i can't sit around sit around anymore i have to do something i have to help you know the people in india and within Within like a couple of hours, he created a multi-sig uh, wallet and had the whole global crypto community donate to to this cause. So, on a philanthropic le- uh, philanthropic level, you had a global crypto community like get together and 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 like create this fund to help something you know in a different part of the world like in a day, like that just you know you, you could try it with GoFundMe or whatever, but. I think this this was just um, a great example of a the crypto community coming together, but also uh, the application of you know move, moving moving funds cross borders without permissions, without any kind of like red you know, bureaucracy or red tape. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy to think about, right? Yeah. What are you guys most excited about moving forward? Uh, everything. I mean, <laughs> what's, every 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 day, every day is something something new, something pops up. You know, projects. Like I said, projects signing up and, and being able to to support them. Um, I'm looking forward to see what optimism is gonna. Is gonna optimism. Look, yeah. You guys keep talking about yeah, this, so yeah. you're, you're super excited. excited about that team. What they're doing. Um, can't talk m- much about it, but I think that's one of the projects I'm really excited about um, going forward. By you, definitely that. You know, we, we have we have a couple of chains. We we signed a couple of new new um, contracts with foundations with new chains that we're we're gonna we're gonna develop. Um, you know, we're hiring. A lot I was going to say, who yeah. are we trying to hire? <laughs> we're, we're hiring. We're hiring across the board. We're scaling the team. You know, we got DevOps, DevOps engineers, front end, uh, front end developers, um, backend engineers. Yeah. Uh, then, then we have like um, technical support engineers. Um, we had a good amount of additions to our team. Like we we grew from like you know a five people team on, on like a month and a half ago. To a twelve people team, and we continue to, to expand our team. Mm-hmm. So, if what we look, I, I'm looking to to build the culture. I'm excited about building the culture in the company, and and the sort of this foundation of QuickNote that will grow into its own departments in in, in near future. Mm-hmm. And so, we just recently hired somebody from TikTok, and uh, previously worked with Facebook. They ran a you know a, a sales team there that's that was excited to join our team, and we're excited to to be working with him. He's an amazing individual with 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 a, with a great like view of what what this could become, and so I enjoy personally work with him on every day and sort of attacking different angles of the market, how we could you know how we could attack enterprise, how we could um, improve our, improve our sales process for for you know developer uh, platform and and all of this and like and, so, and sort of like looking into what we could build together in the future and sort of 
segmented to, into smaller teams that like one team will attack uh, the chain market, one team will attack the developer market, one team will attack the the found you know the foundations and um, and, and the whole business sector, and so that's very exciting. I think working with that is. Yeah, so, so, so to, fin to finish my point is like what we've been able to accomplish with a team of like five, six people now that we have this additional funding and we have this momentum, what we'll be able to accomplish with like a, a double the size of the team. That's what really excites me. Like we're, we're going to 10x the performance of the tech, make it way more faster, way more reliable. We're going to expand the, the product. Uh, we're going to expand it into different markets, you know, and, and now with, with some of these bigger players uh, catching on, catching, starting to ride the wave. You know, being able to provide services to to like bank like mainstream mm -hmm. banks and mainstream uh, investor and hedge funds, uh, that that that's that's what I'm like most excited about. I think you guys are onto something. <laughs> For sure. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, Anthony. You've been you've been a great help, man. It's 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 amazing. It's it's so like I said, we have we have the best investors, we have the, the best partners that we're working with. So it's it's great. I think also what's what's really exciting is to see some of these. You know, big players like Cash App, for example, had a, had a conversation with Cash App the other day, and they they sort of understand that DeFi is going to put them out of business. This is their mm -hmm. words: like we understand DeFi is going to put us out of business. So what we do, and we created a team inside to sort of put us uh, put ourselves out of business before that happens. Mm -hmm. And so they're really smart people. They understand that this is going to change the world. This is going to change the way people transact, the way you use money, and the next generation will no longer be able to. You know to stand for the the previous you know standards that that mm -hmm. we had growing yeah. up and so like you know companies like that that understand that and we still start early on that they're building something next and something cool that for you know for the next generation so yeah that's super exciting you know I mean, that's awesome yeah right that you can uh, you can participate there uh before i let you guys go i ask everyone the same three questions so i'm gonna do it and you both answer uh each uh individually okay. uh most important book you've ever read Hard things, uh, hard things about hard things by uh, Ben Horowitz. Ben Horowitz. That's I love a great that book. book. Read it twice. I still come back to it very often. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, that book and High Output Management by Andy Grove. That's another great one. You guys are well read. <laughs> uh, second question is sleep schedule. It comes from our friends over at Eight Sleep. I sleep on one every night. It's cold as shit. Sleep perfectly. I feel like I'm like a convert of the sleep religion. What's your guys' sleep schedule? Ooh, that's not a good but, start. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we actually we actually had a friend who who was who was uh, I guess he was he was trying to uh, like he was advertising this cold bed uh, uh -huh. idea to us and and uh, you know maybe we'll go out and try that S sleep schedule. It's I try to get six to seven hours. Um, I mean you, we're, we're working crazy crazy like super intense days. So about like like nine ten rolls around. I'm exhausted. Out. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm twelve to six uh, midnight and six 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 a.m. I'm up yoga and then six thirty six forty five. I'm on the computer working. Really? Yeah. yeah. So you can go twelve to six and you're perfectly fine. Yeah, totally fine. Yeah. Oh man, I need. It's eight all hours. about the mushrooms, you know. That you got the the reishi, the you know cordyceps. Uh, cordyceps. You, you put that in your smoothie. Chaka. It gives you it gives you amazing energy. We're using uh, something by uh, Paul Stamets. Uh, I don't know if you know who he is. He was big. Okay. Yeah. That guy is amazing. He's like one of the biggest mycologists in um, in the United States. Uh, he was in Joe Rogan's uh, podcast okay. a bunch of times. Yeah, the guy is just like out of this world. Super fascinating podcast. Super fascinating. Yeah. And, uh, Definitely watch that. He has a movie on, uh, not Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime. Mm. But anyways, he has these, on fungi.com, he has this product, these products, uh, these mushroom mixes that you could put into your yogurts or whatever. Incredible. Do you just drink coffee or that, or you just use the I mushroom stopped. mix? I used to do matcha. Uh -huh. So I stopped the caffeine during this time. It's so crazy that... You have so much energy, so much excitement working every day. Yeah, you but if you had it. anything else, you you start crashing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what I had, to, you? had to cut back on the coffee. Like I stopped coffee. I switched from full calf to I started making my own mix of like two thirds decaf, one third caffeinated. Okay. And now I'm completely off because it, it was just messing with my mind. So, really? Yeah. Just maybe every once in a while I'll have like a sencha green tea. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Uh, but I, I I can't do full on calf. At least at least not. Not right now because it's already in intense. You know? Yeah, I uh, I drink two coffees a day, and I've been thinking like, should I try to stop? But I don't know if I could. That was me, man. That was me. I would have these these crashes, you know, like in the middle of the day. I'm like, shit, I'm out of energy, and I got so many things to do, you know. And it's yeah. just like it's messing with you. you yeah, coffee is definitely messing with you. And so you just don't do it at all, and then you're good. No, no, it's yeah. It's good I mean, there's good. It. There's good argument for that. <laughs> Very yeah. good argument for that. Yeah. Uh, last question is aliens. Are you a believer or a non-believer? Oh yeah, we're we're, we're yeah we're not aliens alone. over here. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how do we all of a sudden end up here? Right? <laughs> <laughs> like he, that that movie he saw when Paul Stamets, he said we all came from mushrooms. Like 
X amount of billions years ago. So the mycelium was is actually is like this this network, sort of like quick note, right? That that's connecting all the trees and all the living things around around the forest, and all the trees and all the, all these all these uh, plants are able to communicate with one another and transfer nutrients. So the the trees and the and the plants they they transfer nutrients through the mushroom mycelium networks underground. Really? Yeah. 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 It, that's wild. It's, it's, it's called the fantastic. Fungi, I think it's called. The movie. Fantastic fungi. Some shit like All that. All right, I, I have to try to watch that. Amazing, one. and so that's all. What's like quick note? Whenever one region becomes overloaded or unavailable, we're able to transfer that that nutrient to the other region or to the same region on a different cloud. You know, mm -hmm. so like we are the product of of that. You know, like we are like people. People believe there's a lot of. So if you look at if you speak to mycologists and you speak to some scientists, everybody has their own theory on how we came about. You mm -hmm. know, but I definitely stay more on the mushroom side because. That's a lot more compelling. Yeah. I mean, you guys might convince me to go get some mushrooms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where can we send people to find you guys on the internet or find out more about QuickNode? QuickNode.com. QuickNode.com. We recently rebranded re from QUIKNode.io to QuickNode.com, the way it was spelled. We had both domains from the get-go, but it was, you know, we were drinking Kool-Aid in 2018. It was so a cool thing to do. It was to, a cool to, thing to, to do. Everybody was misspelling it. things. So but you had both the whole time. The whole yeah. time, yeah. Oh. We, we, we knew we knew from day one that you know there's gonna be autocorrect. People are gonna want to go to the dot com. So we bo we booked it from day one. But you know we were quick, and if you leave a letter out, you're faster to type it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was <laughs> it was and uh, come know. on, that's a shitty answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know you know there's, there's there's there no there's, there's been research like uh, when. Uh, when if you can shorten your URL, uh -huh. uh, you know you might save like a, a, a hundredth of a millisecond or, or something like that. So yep. I just just leave it, just leaving it. I but, love it. But yeah, it was it was a cool thing. It was a cool thing to do. But now that you know we're we're more mature, we're in a different stage of the company. Uh, we're like, all right, let's spell it, let's spell it, let's spell it right. Um, especially looking five ten years ahead, you know, mm -hmm. maybe we we go IPO or something. We need to have a proper spelled company name. <laughs> All right, so quicknode.com. 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 Everyone go check it out. Thank you guys yes, so much sir. for doing yeah. this. Thanks for having us. Thanks, man.